Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Sellers are out in force this morning following a big sell-off on Wall Street on Friday. The Nikkei is down 1.7%. Sydney's off 1.5%. Seoul in the red as well. Joining me now as we break down all the market action and take a look at the week ahead. Good morning, Ryan Huang. Morning, Michelle. <laughs> Welcome back to Monday. Welcome back to the week. How was your weekend? Uh, it was fabulous. I headed to the Gerang Surrey Night Bazaar to try to soak it in, but I had a very tough time getting used to the crowds. I completely understand that. I was at a dinner uh, in an actual restaurant and it started to fill up and get really crowded and I was starting to feel really antsy. <laughs> so I think a lot of people <laughs> will have a lot of adjusting to you know, get used to when the... Tomorrow, do you just get lifted? Absolutely, 100% back at work. Imagine that. Uh, did you try a Romney burger, by the way, at the bazaar? The queues were very long. I'm afraid I did not get a chance. It looked like we have to had to queue at least an hour, so maybe next time. All right, because I'm on the hunt for the best one in Singapore. If anybody knows where that is, uh, feel free to WhatsApp me. I'll give you the number in a while. Now, we begin this morning in France, where Emmanuel Macron has fended off right-wing challenger Marine Le Pen to win a second term as the country's president. Macron won the election, whose results were released early this morning, local time, with approximately 55% of the vote. Now, that's a much slimmer margin than he won during his first election five years ago, but it's also wider than analysts were predicting following the first round of voting earlier this month. So Ryan, a Le Pen victory would likely have undermined France's position in the European Union, possibly leading to a Frexit, a French exit from mm. the Union. And it would certainly have undercut Europe's united front against Russia vis-a-vis its invasion of Ukraine. The European stock markets are not open yet, but the currency markets are always trading. So just how is the euro reacting to Macron's victory? Yeah, it has managed to gain some strength with that um, clarity around the election. So we are looking at the euro versus the dollar slightly higher this morning by 0.03% so far, now at 108 against the greenback. But you have to bear in mind, this is just a slight reprieve. Mm-hmm. It's been down for many months. In fact, the past month is down 1.8% and year on year is down nearly 11%. And all around the worries about what's happening in the wider region with Ukraine, the slowdown in Europe. But at least for now, some key risks being removed from the horizon around what's happening in France with a uh, leader now uh, being elected or at least being voted upon. So now you have Emmanuel Macron winning a second term in office. So it's worth noting he is the first in nearly two decades to win a second term in office. So it looks like people in France like what they are seeing from his policies being promised. Ms Le Pen out on her third try to become France's president. Macron won the election, but a large percentage of the French electorate are clearly not happy with his job performance. Why is that? Yeah, so this is a tough one because like many other countries, um, France has been seeing the cost of living rising and that has been felt quite strongly in France, especially for the poorest in the country. So uh, he has his work cut out for him. 
in terms of changing the minds of those who did not vote for him. And you bear in mind as well that even though he did win, mm-hmm. it was a narrower than expected victory. So you've got a huge crowd of people who did not vote for him and voted against him or abstained from voting. So he has his work cut out for him and he has already said that he is not going to continue in the same pattern that he has been doing in the past term, but he will do a bit of a reset and review what went wrong and address all the anger that has arisen from the past few years. And this is something that also emerged as he went about his various policies, many of them pro-business reforms. So typically when this happens, it's more favorable to the businesses and not so much for the workers involved. And that's possibly where he may have lost some of those votes. Le Pen may not have won the French presidency, but she's not given up. She's vowing to capture a bigger share of France's parliamentary seats for her National Day rally when legislative elections are held in June. If we zoom out to take a look at the broader markets and the week ahead, the Dow Jones Industrial Average dropped 900 points, nearly 3% on Friday, chalking up its fourth straight weekly loss. The Nasdaq S&P 500 suffered losses of 2.5% or more as well. Now, Stephen Innes, a longtime friend of this show, analyst with SPI Asset Management, writes that these days, the market, quote, trades a new narrative every day. So, Ryan, it seems that traders can't quite decide whether we're in a bullish or bearish period of time. Why is that? Yeah, it really depends on what time of the day you're asking these days because things swing so fast according to what's coming out in the headlines. And I think that is the new way of how markets are moving these days. No headline sensitive. And you have a lot of headlines these days, a lot of noise. And we talked about one of them just now, politics in France. And also on the horizon, we've got many things to continue to watch. uh, What's happening in China? Over the weekend, we had a record number of daily uh, cases in Shanghai being recorded. And you know what that means. The lockdown is not going to end anytime sooner. And you've got the uh, Ukraine crisis still playing out. And that is now into its third month. Imagine that. And you've got also the Fed rate hikes in focus um, where you have central banks around the world trying to keep pace. So that is just keeping investors on their toes around what to do with their investments. Investors certainly on their toes. Innes noting that investors do not appear in a rush to buy the dip or defend any technical territory just yet. Still, he does think that mining stocks like Nucor, FCX and NEM, which have been amongst the worst performers of late, they could be the first to bounce back. Now, Ryan, as we take a look at the week ahead, it's a big week for corporate earnings announcement. Give us a taste. What should we be looking out for? All right, let me give you a taste of what you can expect. Roughly 160 S&P 500 companies among the larger crowd of more than 1,500 US companies reporting. So it is possibly the busiest week when it comes to the earnings season. And you have a lot of attention being put on technology names, social media companies, oil majors, car makers, and many other MNCs. And among those big names, you've got the likes of Boeing, Alphabet, Microsoft, Visa, Ford, Meta, which is Facebook's parent, Twitter, McDonald's, Amazon, Apple. So the fang names are there and many of the big guys are there. And what's going to be in focus will be how they are guiding for those rising costs. You know, the wages they have to pay, that's mm-hmm. going up. The prices of goods, materials, raw ingredients, that's going up. Are they able to pass on their costs? Uh, Coca-Cola will be one of them. PepsiCo will be one of them to also keep watch on how they guide for those um, 
rising costs. Already, we heard from Chipotle, which is reporting this week that they will raise their menu prices this year. So we'll be watching out for them to see if um, they will become more aggressive than they guided for before. And the car makers, like General Motors, will be reporting. And it's all around supply chain issues here where you have many things just in flux and just uncertain around things like the global shortage of semiconductor chips and the fake costs. So that's going to be in focus. Um, Alphabet, one of them to be watching as we see the cloud narrative play out. Are we going to be seeing a slowdown because of the return to, I guess, normalcy in some sense? Uh, Are we seeing people work less from home and will that have an impact on the cloud business? At the same time, advertising. Is that coming back as we see things go back to normal? Are we seeing budgets coming back into the advertising space? So Google will be in the center of that conversation. And back home, the local banks will be the key highlight here. On Friday, DBS, UOB and OCBC, all three of them reporting in the same morning. I haven't seen this happen in quite a while. All three of them in the same morning. A lot to look out for. Among the companies that many investors are going to be looking at is Twitter. It reports earnings early Friday morning, Singapore time. Now, Twitter shares typically do not fare well on earnings announcements. This according to Bespoke Investment Group. The big story, of course, everyone is tracking whether Elon Musk will succeed in taking over the company. Ryan, last we heard on the topic, Twitter was adopting a poison pill that will make it significantly more expensive for Musk to buy it and privatize Mm -hmm. it. But there are reports that representatives of the social media platform, they're considering Musk's offer. So reconsidering it, even perhaps thinking of negotiating with him. What's the latest here? Yeah, we've heard from Elon Musk saying he secured financing to the tune of $46.5 billion. That was above his previous takeover offer of $43 billion. So you can imagine the scope or at least the potential upside of a sweeter deal is on the table. So that could maybe be part of the reason why he is able to meet with some of these Twitter executives. And this could be possibly ironing out the makings of a deal to be made. So something that's inching closer to Elon Musk taking over Twitter maybe. Um, But it's going to be a very tough one, I think, because there are so many... Um, reasons why the Twitter board is not that keen for non-financial reasons. So a lot of things to be ironed out. Musk is offering fifty-four twenty a share for Twitter. It's only about 10% above Twitter's current share price. I don't think I've asked you this yet, Ryan. If you were a Twitter shareholder, would you sell to Elon Musk at this price, $54.20? Or would you possibly hold out for more or even stay vested in the long term? Yeah, it's a very tough one because it depends on your risk appetite. Because True. if... He doesn't iron out all those buggy details that the board is not happy with him, you know, the type of tweets he puts out, you know, the non-financial stuff. Uh, that is going to be a big obstacle in seeing the buyout offer go through. And when that doesn't happen, the downside, the potential crash of the Twitter share price could punish investors even more. So if you don't sell now, you could be seeing the stock under pressure, at least in the near term. So mm. that is something to consider. Mm-hmm. You also have to consider where Twitter is in right now, how it's faring and it's been struggling to make profit for many years. And if you look at the backdrop, we've got Facebook and many other social media companies just going into the space to take up your time and competing with Twitter, TikTok right at the top of the list. You have to figure out, is Twitter able to survive 
with or without Elon Musk, even in the picture, in that type of landscape. So that is going to be something you have to, I guess, digest and weigh whether you should sell your Twitter shares to mm-hmm. Musk. Musk is making waves outside of Twitter as well, this time in a very public feud with the world's fourth richest man, Bill Gates. Ryan, what are they fighting about? Yeah, it's always fun to see two rich guys fighting, right? So Elon Musk confronting Bill Gates about why he is shorting Tesla. So he's not too happy, as you would imagine, that another guy is trying to um, see your share price go down. So it's all around what happened on Twitter, actually. So a screen grab of a conversation between them was leaked and someone confronted or asked Elon Musk if this screen grab was real and he actually replied yes uh, but he didn't leak it to anyone it might have been someone else a friend of a friend Uh, but back to the story um, apparently is around how Bill Gates was shorting against Tesla and then uh, he tried to confront him but then Bill Gates replied to say hey I'm sorry to say I haven't closed it out yet to buy back those Tesla shares but Mm. he wants to discuss philanthropy possibilities and then Elon Musk no, being a bit, I believe, upset, just shot back to say, sorry, I cannot discuss anything seriously with you around that topic, around philanthropy on climate change seriously. If you have a massive short position against Tesla, because this is the company he says is doing the most to solve climate change. And that short position was half a billion dollars worth. In other corporate news, have you heard about Jack Dorsey's new job title? Well, Dorsey is founder and former head of Twitter. He's now the head of the tech company Block, which used to be known as Square. Dorsey has never been a fan of the term CEO, but I don't know what to make of his new title. What do you think? Yeah, he's a bit of a square. (laughs) So if you look at Jack Dorsey, he is trying to, I guess, remake his image with a new um, job title he is now called Blockhead <laughs> and this is of course a play on his company name Block and he's the head of Block so he's a Blockhead so check, maybe check. just trying to put a bit of humour into you know, these job title things how much they really mean you know, and it's worth noting Elon Musk himself has been um, quite a fan of remaking job titles himself he has called himself many things, among them Techno King of Tesla. Yeah, so well, guess, Techno King has a nice ring to it. Blockhead is synonymous with stupid. It depends on your sense of humor, <laughs> right? So maybe he's just trying to play down his intelligence. Yeah, it's all for the LOLs. All right, last week we talked about the fugitive former car executive, Carlos Ghosn. He used to be head of the Renault-Nissan family, and he famously fled Japan for Lebanon while he was out on bail. France has issued a warrant for Ghosn's arrest. What exactly does he have to say about that? It's a bit of a good and bad here. So he's saying he expects to see a fair trial in France as opposed to what he would not get in Japan. Uh, But at the same time, he raised a few questions. Why is this happening now? And this is against the backdrop of what happened over the weekend in France. So he was pretty much actually reading about his um, trial in the papers. No one actually told him. That's the first thing he said. He found out about it in the press. Um, and the second thing is he talked about, hey, why is this happening now? Just before the elections over the weekend. Why didn't it not happen on Monday, today, next week, but it happened on Friday, the eve of the big election? So that's one big question mark he's just putting out there that you know, maybe there are other reasons uh, why uh, this timing is such.
All right, let's take a closer look at earnings and corporate news. It is time for our game, Up or Down. Are you ready, Ryan? Let's go. Let's start with Bed Bath and Beyond. All right, this is going to be an up for me. And this is on reports of its interest to um, get into bye-bye baby business and is attracting a lot of interest in that deal. Yeah, definitely an up for me as well. Bed Bath & Beyond stock climbing as its buyback baby unit draws buyer interest. Bed Bath & Beyond shares rose nearly 7% on Friday. Let's look at American Express. Okay, this is an up for me and Amex is seeing its first quarter with higher revenue. So that's an up for me, but it does come with lower income. So I yeah. would say overall it's up. Yeah, a mixed bag. American Express's first quarter earnings have top expectations, but its forward guidance is disappointing some investors. Still, I'm going to go with an up for Amex. Let's look at the local property we her. All right, the property developer we her, I would go with an up. And this is on news of its partial divestment of its stake in a student accommodation fund to a GIC-linked unit. So that is seeing it get some cash and investors seeing it. A bit of happy news on that front. Indeed. Shares of the local property developer WeHer up 11% on Friday on the back of that news. So up for me as well. Let's look at Hourglass. Hourglass, I would go with up. And they are in the news for share buybacks. So in fact, Hourglass, that buybacks for last week, the luxury watch retailer buying back 2.31 million shares for around $5.6 million. Yeah, up for me as well. Uh, Hourglass, very busy repurchasing more than 2 million shares last week. The company's shares have been on a tear over the past two years, rising from about 60 cents to $2.45 now. OCBC is next on our list. Mm, I'm going down with this one. So they are in the news for suing a Chinese developer. And this over a loan repayment demand. And you have been following the news that many developers have been under stress. So I'm not sure how much good you can get out of suing someone who doesn't have money to pay you back. OCBC caught up in China's debt crisis. So down from me, the luxury developer Ximao owes OCBC money and OCBC is taking the matter to the courts. Let's turn to Singapore now. We are 23 minutes into the local trading day. The Straits Times Index definitely seems to be counter-cyclical these days. It outperformed the major US indices last week, all of which were in the red as well as the China markets also down several percent. The SDI also also fared better over the past five trading sessions than Tokyo, Hong Kong, Sydney and Seoul. Overall, Singapore's blue chip index chalked up a three quarters of a percent gain to finish at 33.61. So what is the picture like this morning and is the STI adding to those gains? Yeah, Michelle, so the STI managed to build a four-day winning streak and now not so much because it's down in line with the rest of the region. If it stays this way, it will snap that four-day winning streak and is now lower by 0.5% at 3,443. So that's something to watch out for. And if you've got the counters on the STI, only one in the green. That is capital DC REIT up 1.4% at $2.11. At the bottom of the table, we have Jardine Cycle and Carriage down 1.2%. In fact, Jardine CNC was the top mover last week. So it's giving back some of those gains. All right, alongside them, you've got Yangjiang Shipbuilding down 1.5%. Capital Corp down 1.2%, followed by Dairy Farm, 
UOB, OCBC, and many of the big names in the red. Despite the, well, Friday announcement of the lifting of measures, we are not seeing a feel-good mood on Monday morning yet. Not yet. We'll keep a close eye on that. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.